welcome back to the Cult for More podcast. I'm your host, Cassandra Perez, and this is episode two, which is so amazing to say because I didn't know if I was going to be coming back for an episode two because I was honestly really nervous when I first launched. I didn't know how it was going to be received, but I was overwhelmed by the amount of support that I didn't only get from friends and family, but from people I went to high school with, from people I actually don't really even know personally, but they were sending me such sweet messages and it was just so encouraging. And so, yeah, I'm really happy to be back and talk about today's episode, what it's going to be about. And as you can see, the episode is titled The Wall of Shame. So, of course, we're going to be focusing on the feeling of shame. But before we kind of delve into all of that, I kind of want to give some background on how I got to making this episode, what kind of inspired it, and what led me to um, do this whole episode on it. And so shame can definitely be something heavy for some of us, especially if we personally are feeling ashamed for the things that we've done in the past. But I promise to always end my podcast with the message of freedom at the end of the day because that's the hope that we've all been given and the promise that we can hold on to is that there's hope and that we can definitely uh, be free from this feeling of shame. And so um, I kind of got this title because of a DBT class that I was taking. It was a weekend training, which was like eight hours long, Saturday and Sunday for two weekends. So it was very long, very long days. We had a lot to do and a lot to learn within those days. Honestly, we kind of barely scratched the surface. And so for some background, DBT stands for Dialectical Behavior Therapy. And this type of therapy or therapeutic approach is typically catered to individuals that are at high risk for suicide or those with personality disorders, and we really focus on learning emotional regulation, a lot of mindfulness, and uh, so many other things, but that's just kind of a brief summary. And we can kind of apply these skills to really anyone. It doesn't have to just be these populations. I found a lot of really helpful skills, even for myself, that I actually want to practice on a day-to-day basis, especially with the mindfulness side. Uh, It's very relaxing and obviously very therapeutic to oneself. And I honestly, like I said, I, I really fell in love with this approach and I'm really excited to use it in the future with my clients and even share some of the things that I've learned with friends and family. And so I kind of want to mention how over the course of uh, the two years that I've been in my program, we have probably done over 100 practice skills. With this, nothing has ever really brought out extreme emotion within me. I like to keep a very strict boundary and try not to overshare too much in class. I just don't ever want to you know, say something that I shouldn't have said, or sometimes I worry like, oh my gosh, now they know my whole life story. And so on the first day of this DBT training that we had, we started off by doing various skills. I mean, that's how we really learn. We have to immerse ourselves into the material. And we were doing one of the activities, and this one so happened to be called Moving Through the Shame. 
And the professor had asked us to grab three post-it notes and write down three things that we felt ashamed of either recently or in the past. And for me, I couldn't actually think of anything. In fact, I was actually having a very hard time coming up with something. I was looking across the room, trying to see what people were saying. And someone had, I think someone asked the professor for an example. And honestly, I think I wrote down that example. I tried to steal it because, and I couldn't even tell you what I wrote down. That's how kind of disconnected I started off. It was really hard for me to come up with something. And we were kind of a a big class. I think it was probably over 20 of us in that classroom that day. So imagine everyone, 20 plus students and then three post-it notes each. It's a lot of writing that was going down that day. And so when we were all done, the professor had asked us to put them all over the four walls of that classroom. So we all got up and placed them across the walls in random spots. And we ended up being surrounded by all of these colorful post-it notes full of shameful statements. And she then asked us to walk around and begin to read them. Again, I didn't really think anything of it, but I had no idea what I was about to be overcome with and honestly what was about to slap me in the face. And that was this heavy, heavy burden that quickly began to grow like inside of me. Because imagine all of these shameful experiences plastered on the walls like I said and reading every single one of these statements and like to think that my classmates you know the people that were just sitting right next to me the people that we were just laughing with that they were carrying this with inside of them and so some of the sticky notes that I was reading said I am ashamed that I was too tired to check up on my sick father I felt shame that I couldn't be perfect I felt shame for failing my marriage. I am ashamed of letting down my mother. And they were deep and, again, all over this room. The silence was so loud and it was so heavy. In fact, no one was really speaking. We were all kind of just walking around like in a circle. You could only hear our, even our footsteps were so silent. We were silently processing through what we were just reading and some of these statements like I said they were ranging from deep to not so deep some were I'm ashamed of not helping clean the house I feel shame when I don't walk my dog or when I I like ignore my dog something like that whereas some said I'm ashamed of what happened to me as a little girl So you can imagine what that begins to do with inside of you. I quickly began to feel overwhelmed and very moved. Even as I remember this moment, I can just kind of feel like my stomach drop. I had to quickly pull myself together because I felt like I was going to burst out crying in the middle of the class. I literally wanted to just get into a fetal position and begin to weep. It was almost... Actually, no, it was the most challenging thing I think I'd ever have had to do so far in my program. And that was to kind of hold myself together because we were only at the start of the training. 
I don't know if I mentioned this already, but I think it was like the one of the first things that we did. So it was probably like nine or 10 in the morning. And I still had the rest of my day to sit and just be try to be calm and, and pull myself together. And I couldn't stop thinking of how these four walls that were surrounding me were just full of pain. Because shame is such a powerful emotion. It cuts like a knife. And so I began thinking, I'm like, what is shame then? Why do I feel so impacted by this? And it's not even my shame. It's the shame of others. And it's this deep feeling of humiliation or distress. You can compare it to a mortifying feeling. Some explain shame as a state of physically suffering compared to a body that is slowly decomposing, right? On the outside, it looks normal, but inside it's deteriorating or even rotting away. And after reading uh, as to like how shame is almost parallel to this idea of death inside of you, it really helped me understand why I felt so heavy and impacted by this activity because I was shocked. I, I had no words to to put that day or to reflect on. Like I I think I was just in the moment feeling all of these things <laughs> like bubble up inside of me. And I I really wanted to cry for my classmates because my my heart was just so broken that day because I just know that God's heart was even more broken than mine. I can't imagine how he felt, you know, his precious, precious creations walking around with these chains around them and it, these, this chain called shame. And so this huge physical burden was over me because I was also seeing how this feeling became people's identity. And it's related to this sense of failure or constant disappointment. And so I wonder if anyone that's listening or even watching this right now maybe has not only felt this feeling, but also accepted it as who you are and has become your identity. And so biblically, shame is a consequence of sin. It's related to guilt, but shame emphasizes sin's effect on self-identity, you know, how you see yourself as. We oftentimes confuse guilt with shame, but guilt is about what we've done, whereas shame is about who we are. It's the label that we have allowed to stick onto us. It is what we see when we look at the mirror. It's what we feel when we truly are just looking at ourselves because of the things we've done or um, what people have done unto us. It's, it's not only about, you know, our mistakes or where we've fallen short. It's also what um, the things that people can do to us and we can feel shame because of that. And so with this uh, feeling of shame, what ends up happening sometimes and how it affects even our personality traits and our behaviors is we can often oftentimes find ourselves constantly apologizing or people pleasing because of this we can really begin to struggle 
and suffer with chronic insecurities. Even, for example, even if God has given us a clear purpose, right? He's given us this ministry, this promotion at work, and we know it's from God. We know that the blessing is from God. We can internally still feel ill-equipped for it or disqualified because we may feel that we're never good enough and we might not ever be good enough because deep down the root of this is shame. And so shame, we can kind of see how it's this dark shadow that follows us. It strips us from any opportunity to change, to grow. It paralyzes us in our mistakes. And so shame can really keep us from our potential. It can keep us from prayer. It can keep us from receiving forgiveness, forgiveness that's freely given. It can uh, keep us from forgiving ourselves because we're living with the thing that we hate, which is ourselves, because that's, again, what shame can do to us. And so with all of this and, and reflecting really on how, in a sense, negative shame is and what it does to us, what is the solution then? What is the solution to shame? And that answer is Jesus, because he is the one who wipes our slate clean. He is the one who calls us his when the world rejects us. It's actually the world that can increase our shame, right? Because imagine this, it's like the world puts up a huge mirror in front of us and says, you see, this is what you did. This is where you failed. And now look at you. Now look at who you are. While Jesus, he'll never hold up a mirror to us. What he will do is say, look at me. Focus on me because your identity is found in me. It's not found in the sins that you've done. And the devil, oftentimes what he does is he calls you by your sin while God calls you by your name and by your purpose. We see actually a lot of um, stories in the New Testament of Jesus meeting these people and calling them by their name. Uh, Zacchaeus in Luke 19 is one of those examples, and I actually really love that story. And so if we reflect on even going all the way back to the first chapter or the first book of the Bible, looking at Adam and Eve, their first response to their sinful condition was to hide from God and consequently hide from one another, right? Because they, they began to cover themselves up. But what did God do? How did God respond? He actually looked for Adam. He sought him out, even though he had just committed a sin. And I actually want to read it to you. It's found in Genesis chapter 1, verses 9 through 11. And it says, but the Lord called out to the man, where are you? Adam answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked. So I hid. And God said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? So we can see here how God's first response is not to cast shame. He actually asks, who told you that you were naked? Which I've read this story, I mean, so many times, right? Because it's like everyone, even like non-Christians know this. If um, you're not someone of the faith uh, listening or watching this podcast, I'm sure you even know about 
you know, Eve eating the apple. But again, like I've never stopped and paused to reflect on how God asked them, who told you that you were naked? So today I'm here to tell you who told you that you were unlovable, who told you that you weren't good enough, who told you that you were ugly, and overall, who said that you're not enough? Because there is a God who gave his only son to die for you. He died for you so that in Jesus, we could be presented blameless before God. And I, like, as I was reflecting on that, I kind of understood why I felt so broken that day in class because I had wished I could tell every single person that day that there is someone who can take away their shame. There's someone who is not looking to cast you out, but more so to accept you with open arms and to love on you, right? And that's not, um, you know, a free card to never change and transform because when we find Jesus, we transform. We Our old self dies and we become new. We're this new creation. But that's a whole other topic. And so these it began to make sense, right? You know, why I was feeling all of this. And I was also reading up on how shame actually causes the brain to react as though we were in physical danger. It's often associated by the desire to become invisible or disappear, which again, just brought even more sadness onto me. But it doesn't end there. I was thinking so how do we get rid of this shame right how do we get rid of it because we can see all of the consequences that come with this feeling and so we have to humbly accept who God says we are remember our identity is now in Jesus it's not in ourselves right the world likes to it's the world is so focused on ourselves it says you manifest your perfect life, you, 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 this, but then when you mess up, it's all on you as well. And that's not really a fair deal because we're imperfect. And I could go on and on and on about the magnificent things that God has said about us, about his creation. But here's one of my favorites. And it says in Colossians chapter one, verses, verse 22, but Christ has bought you Sorry, but Christ has brought you back to God by his death on the cross. In this way, Christ can bring you to God, holy and pure and without blame. And I just find that so beautiful that Jesus is the one who presents us holy and pure and without blame. And it just reminded me of how we are loved and we're forgiven Instead of accepting our shortcomings, our failures, our mistakes as who we are, we should be quick to repent and to turn away from what we've done and instead run to the Father. And we should also, though, be ready to tell the enemy the next time that he tries to accuse you, right? Because he is the accuser. We need to tell him, that we'll, we are no longer going to identify with our sin, but rather the one who nailed it on the cross and said it is finished. Because on the day that Jesus got crucified, out of his last breath, he said, Telatastai, 
which means it is finished. So you need to walk around and accept that it has been finished for you. Because if we deny that, we're not humbling ourselves to what the Lord has said over us as his creation, as his adopted children, that we are holy and pure and without blame. We are forgiven. We are loved and it's finished. And so I actually want to read another verse that's also one of my favorites. I'm going to just honestly keep saying that because, I mean, every single verse is just so good. And it's Proverbs 24, 16. It says, For a righteous man may fall seven times and rise again, but the wicked shall fall by calamity. So in this fallen world, the difference between a righteous man versus an unrighteous man is not whether they fall or not, but rather what they do when they fall. And even, I mean, the Bible even says we are going to fall, we are going to fail, but we cannot allow ourselves to stay there and almost wallow in this victim mindset. And we need to be ready to get right back up. And sorry, but one more verse that absolutely, okay, I, this one is actually my favorite, favorite, favorite <laughs> above all. And it's Romans chapter 8, verses 38 through 39, and it says, And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries for tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky or in the earth below. Indeed, Nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus, our Lord. How amazing is that? It's actually really liberating that that the God who created the universe looks down at us and it's declaring over us that nothing will ever be able to, able to separate you and I because my love is greater. My love has conquered all. And so I hope whoever is watching or listening really is not only able to listen and hear, but to receive these truths and begin to claim them over your life so that you can be free of shame. Because those four walls of my classroom that day were like prison cells. And my classmates didn't walk away with this message of freedom, but you are. And it's not a coincidence that you're listening to this, that you're hearing this. We have a God that has died for our freedom. And he is the one who sets you free and calls you his, whether people have done things to you or whether you have done things that have caused you to, you know, really almost feel this sense of disgust within yourself. God is here to cleanse you. And I use this illustration a lot with my own friends I tell them, do you clean yourself before getting into the shower? No, you don't. You come as you are. You come dirty. You come smelly. You come with your hair messy, with everything. And you get into the shower and you cleanse. You allow the water to fall over you to cleanse you. And that's how it is with Jesus. We need to come to him as we are. And then he does the purifying. And it's we who get sanctified every single day as we draw near to him as we crucify our flesh and follow him. That is how we get washed. And so with that, 
it's more of a shorter episode kind of focused on this whole feeling of shame and how that day in my classroom impacted me, but I know it impacted me so that I can share this message with you all. And so, yeah, that's really all that I had today. Thank you guys so much for watching and listening, for all of the great support that you've all showed me for rating my podcast. But yes, follow me on my social medias, on my Instagram, and I am on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and on YouTube. Go ahead and feel free to subscribe. But yes, thank you guys, and I'll see you guys next time.